Hey, good morning, Journey Church. How are you feeling today? 1045, are you awake in this place? And excited you guys are here today. Honored to be able to share with you. Um, if you don't know me, I am Tony Mess. I'm the student pastor here. Hey, if you're watching online, welcome in. Again, I am honored to be able to present to you week three of this comeback series. Has anybody in here enjoyed the first two weeks? Anybody in the room? Yes. I know it's been a blessing to my life, and again, I'm just honored to be able to um, to share a little bit about what God has placed on my heart. You know, when it comes to comeback stories, they are God's specialties. He loves to turn around circumstances that seem impossible. And when I think about characters throughout the gospel, uh, like one, the one that comes to mind is Joseph in the Old Testament, a man who was left maybe for dead, all alone and forgotten about in prison. And then God gives him favor with the Pharaoh and a little bit down the line, he would be elevated to second in command of all of Egypt. God stepped in and turned the impossible to possible, taking Joseph from the prison to the palace. And then we have the greatest comeback story of all time, which is Jesus, right? Jesus dies on a cross, is buried in a grave, and we think that's impossible, that someone's going to come back to life. But God steps in, turns this situation around. He goes from the grave to resurrected glory. Our God relishes the chance to make the impossible possible. And so I just want to talk for just a little bit today and unpack a story, an event that happens in the book of Acts and uh, see if we can't learn anything from that. So before we jump in, let's pray, okay? God, we are just, um, we're so humbled and so thankful, God, that you would allow us to be in this room, that you would allow people to join us online. We're thankful for that technology. And God, I pray as the gospel goes forth, that it's not man's words that changes lives. It's your gospel that breaks bondage and destroys sin and brings marriage and joy back into life and marriages back together. And God gives us a purpose and a reason. God, today I believe there are people in the room, their comeback story is going to start today. In your name we pray. Everyone said amen. Well, in the ninth grade I played football. Please don't laugh. I know that's weird to look at me and think, oh, he played football. He's itty-bitty. I get it. Like, I did play football in the ninth grade, um, but I, I never actually played in a game ever in my life. Any, if, if, let, me be, let me be clear. I played a little bit, but it wasn't at an important moment in the game, okay? Either we were winning by 50 or we were getting beat by 50, and the coach is like, well, just, you know, get in there, Tony. So I never played an important role in a game, but I was a tackling dummy. Does anybody know what that is? A tackling dummy? Yeah. At practice, people would just beat me up. They would just, like, hand me the ball, say run, and then people would tackle me. So that's what my role was. And one day at practice, we were practicing kickoffs to uh, the first team kickoff receiving team. And uh, I remember being on the kickoff side of that. We're going to kick the ball off to this, our first team receiving core. And um, the guy that would be receiving that ball, his name was Derek McGee. And in the ninth grade, he was 6'2", about 240. Now, I get that that's normal today because for some reason, there's seventh grade guys who's like 6'11". But 20 years ago, that was crazy. Like, he's a huge guy. But in my brain, this little pride-filled, little five-foot, nothing, hundred-pound guy, I'm going to make a name for myself, right? And so we kick the ball off, and I am making a beeline for Derek McGee because he catches it, and he takes off down the field. I'm going to tackle him. I'm going to be the hero of today. And as I'm looking at him, boom, everything goes dark. I get knocked out. I get blindsided. I am laying on the ground. 
And I feel this shadow come over me. And it's our coach. And he goes, Yai? And I say, That's pretty much all that came out. And he goes, All right, well, get up. Your team needs you. Go get over there. I mean, by the way, there was none of that like, Oh, I love you, baby. Like then it was like, Get up off the dirt. Get over there. You're not dead. You're not bleeding. Your brain's not coming out of your ears. You can do this. All right. So I get on to, I get back onto the kickoffs team, uh, the side, and I had a friend who's just hyping me up. Hey, man, you can't let them do that to you, man. You get over there. Go make a name for yourself. What? We're chest bumping. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like I'm freaking out, you know? And so we kick the ball off again. Derek catches the ball. He's returning it, right? And so I, the, what's weird about this time around, I guess everybody forgot about me or felt bad because they thought I almost died a second ago. And so I'm running and nobody's blocking me. And I'm like, I, this is going to be the best day of my life. And I, I jump at Derek and I lunge and I grab him. And he just carries me down the field a little bit. <laughs> but, but I slide down and I trip him up. He hits the ground, fumbles it. I jump on and I am the hero of practice. Yeah, right? That was an awesome day, man. I got carried off the field. That didn't happen. I didn't get carried off the field. But it was like my comeback story. Like, I remember in ninth grade, it was one of the best moments of my life. And that's the thing about a comeback story, right? Like, for it to be labeled a comeback story, the character or, or, or the team in that comeback story has to be down or losing or blacked out in my case. Like, they have to be the underdog in that moment. And then the impossible happens. They rise to the occasion, and there is your comeback story. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about this guy named Paul, and I want to talk about a moment in his life in the book of Acts where he found himself down, a comeback story. You know, um, there's a lot, if you read throughout the New Testament, there's a lot of stories when you look at Paul's life, he goes, he has a lot of comeback stories in his life. And a lot of people would argue that his entire life is a comeback story. And I would tend to agree with that. But what I want to do is I want to unpack a moment in his life where he felt he was down. Maybe in his brain he was thinking it was time to throw in the towel. Maybe he was thinking um, this was it for me. He's laying face down in the dirt about to die. And uh, I want to see what we can learn. You and I, I want to see what lessons we can learn from this story and how he responded to the moment. Let's set that up first. Um, we find Paul and Barnabas in this, this area called Iconium. And the Bible says while they were there, they were preaching the gospel with such power that people were giving their life to Jesus and lives were being changed. And so there were these people, these Jews in that city that were rejecting the gospel and they were, that, that Paul and Barnabas were, were preaching about. They were rejecting that gospel and they were poisoning the minds of the people in this area. And so one day those people and those Jews got together and they decided they were going to stone Paul and Barnabas. Well, well Paul and Barnabas heard about this and so they escaped to Lystra, another town uh, outside of Iconium. And when they arrived there, they did the exact same thing there that they did at previous towns. They preached the gospel and lives were being changed. The Bible says that Paul healed a man who had been crippled his entire life. Now, the thing you need to know about Lystra is that they worship Greek gods. And when they saw Paul and Barnabas speak with such authority and power that Jesus, that God was working through them, they thought this was Hermes and Zeus is what the Bible says. And so they decided, hey, we need to honor them. And so they start throwing parades and bringing wreaths and bulls and, and, and they're just having this big party. Yes, Hermes and Zeus has come to our town. And the Bible says that Paul... And Barnabas ran out into the middle of the town and tore their clothes off in dismay. 
They were upset. Hey, this is not, we are not these Greek gods. This is God's power working through us. We were just, we're just men. We're just preaching the gospel. Don't get confused. Stop worshiping us. Stop thinking we're other. Well, this is about God. And the, and the Bible says that they just continued on. So this is where you and I are going to pick up in Acts chapter 14. In these next two verses, we're going to learn um, a few different thoughts and lessons and see if we can't be intentional and apply them to our life. In Acts chapter 14, verse 19 through 20, this is what it says. It says, Then some Jews arrived from Iconium, excuse me, Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. These are the same people that had been chasing them down, and now they caught them. And so if we, if we kind of go back to the pre- just previous few verses, we know they tried to stone him, but now they're going to get their opportunity to do so. It says, They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. It says, But as the believers gathered around him, he got up, and he went back into the town. And the next day, he left with uh, Barnabas for Derby. And so there are three things that I want to pull from these two verses And I want to see if you and I, when it comes to our comeback story, I want to see if we can't learn a few things, okay? Here's the first thing, is this, is that in order to experience a comeback, you'll first experience a setback. In that verse 19, it said this, it says, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the town, thinking he was dead. That is a major setback. I don't know about you. Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel. They're making disciples. Lives are being changed. Yeah, they're being put in prison and and, and they're being chased down. That's just part of their life now. But now Paul finds himself face down in the dirt, beaten so badly they thought he was dead. What a setback. Now, I don't... Has any of you ever experienced something like that? Maybe it wasn't like you got pummeled by stones and drug out of a city, but maybe your air conditioner broke in the middle of August in Alabama, Right? Maybe you lost your job and you have no idea how you're going to pay the bills or put food in your, in your children's stomachs. Maybe, maybe you're, you got a letter from the school and you thought you're a brilliant kid. Hey, they're doing great in school. They're not doing good in school. And that's what the letter says. And you don't know if they're going to get into college. What a setback. And here's what I want you to know. Every single person in this room, everybody watching online will experience a setback. You will experience trials and you will experience sorrows. But be encouraged because Jesus says when you experience those trials and sorrows, I'm the one that can give you peace to make it through that circumstance. Here's what the Bible says in John 16, It says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Let me break this down. This is Jesus talking. And let me be very clear. If Jesus says you and I will have trials and sorrows, take it to the bank. You are going to have a tough time in life. But be encouraged. That's what he's saying. Be encouraged. And so I want you to know in the room, if you have given your life to Jesus and you're experiencing a major setback, Your peace will be found in your relationship with Him. Jesus is the author of our story. This is not how your story is going to end as long as Christ is in charge. Take heart. Take courage. This may be a setback, but maybe it's a setup for your comeback. Jesus is in control. Now, if you're watching online or you're in the room today, 
and you have yet to take that major step in your life and your relationship with Jesus by giving your life to Him, by putting your life aside and say, hey, I want a relationship with you. I want salvation through you. If you've not done that yet, I think it's important that you do that. We're going to give you the opportunity to take that step in a few moments. But I want you to know this peace that Jesus talks about is available to you only in a relationship with Him. And so I challenge you today, do not leave this place, do not click off the service without making that change, without taking that step, because today could be the start of your comeback story. So, before you can ever experience a comeback story, you are first going to experience a setback. The next thing we can learn is this, is the right influences are essential in a comeback story. The right influences are essential in a comeback story. This is what the, uh, the first part of verse 20 says. It says, but as the believers gathered around him. This is super, super important because Paul now finds himself face down in the dirt, maybe ready to die, maybe ready to throw in the towel. But thank God he had the right people surrounding him to push him and encourage him to keep going. This, is not your, this isn't how it's going to end. People need you. You've got to get up. Thankfully that he surrounded himself with the right people. And I want you to also understand, believers in this verse, when you break it down to the Greek text, means disciples. It was not, he did not surround himself with the check the box Christian or the Facebook Christian. He surrounded himself with God-fearing men and women who loved Jesus and would encourage him to keep moving forward. Do not give up. So many times in our life, we do the opposite. We bring people into our life. We get into relationships where as soon as we experience a setback, they split. They do not encourage you. They only siphon life from you. And as a student pastor, oftentimes I tell students, hey, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Adults, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That applies to all walks of life. It's important that you surround yourself with the right influences when you're even when everything's going right but especially when you have a setback that's why i believe in our life groups that's why i believe in life groups on wednesday night with our students because you can surround yourself with people that are going through similar issues or maybe have been through similar issues and they can give you wisdom and God, hey keep moving forward you can do this god is with you he is in control he has overcome the world and i know firsthand how important it is to have the right influences in your life. In January of 2019, some of you may know, some of you may not, I worked here in a different position at Journey Church. And uh, in January of 2019, uh, it was a different position. And I had been here for about 11 months at that time. And... I finally broke the news to my wife that I was having an emotional affair with another woman. And it destroyed her. And it destroyed me. And the elders and lead pastor asked me to come in, of course. Hey, you need to resign. You're not healthy. This isn't the right season for you to be in leadership. And that night, I went home. And I had told my wife everything. And I thought this was over, that her life was over, that she's never going to forgive me. 
Like, how am I going to get through this? How is our marriage going to survive? we got a baby girl. And that night, my wife said, Hey, when you put Ava to bed, I want to talk about what's happened. And in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, I don't want to keep going through this. i got to keep reliving this. I mean, it is a fresh wound. Come on. But I'm not saying this out loud. She deserves to get any, ask any questions. This is my fault. Not the church, not God, not hers. I did this. And I deserve what I'm getting. And so I put my daughter to bed and I walk into our bedroom and I shut the door and I turn around and she's already crying. And I'm thinking, oh no. Is she going to always cry? And she did something that changed our life. She walks up to me and she puts her arms around me crying and she says, I'm sorry for my part in this. And I love you. And we're going to make it. And in that moment, these chains broke off of our marriage. And for almost 12 months, I didn't do ministry. But the leadership here, our elders, they paid for counseling. They walked through us. They surrounded us with the right people that was encouraging and loving. And because of the right influences, I get to share with you our comeback story of a marriage that is built on the foundation of God, that love each other, that has added a baby girl to their family, that gets to preach the gospel. And not only that, that He restored me to a rightful place where I am gifted with students. God gave me back much more than I deserved. And I get to share with you a comeback story. And one of the large reasons why is because of the people that I surrounded myself with and the people, the right influences. And so the right influences are essential in your comeback story. The last thing that we can learn today in your comeback story is this, is that your comeback story starts when you get up. In verse 20, it says, But as the believers gathered around, as the disciples gathered around Paul, he got up and went back into town. Paul understood there is no comeback story if he lays there and dies. People who could be entrusted, that entrusted him and people that could hear the gospel through him, that doesn't happen if he lays there and dies. So he got up and he kept moving forward. But he also understood what 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 said, But you belong to God, my dear children, and you have already won a victory over those people, over those setbacks, and over those circumstances because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Paul, you cannot stay there. you got to get up. Somebody's going to need you in that town. And I know you feel like the world is laying on your chest, but this is not the time to throw in the towel. You've got to get up. This is not how your story ends, Paul. This is not how your story ends. You've got to get up. People are going to need you, Paul. Greater is he that lives in you, Paul, than he that is in the world. So he got back up and he went back into that town and he led people to Jesus. What a comeback story. And I know some of you in here think that, um, hey, I feel like giving up. I feel like my marriage 
is over. I feel like my relationship with my children, it's, it's, it's too far gone. I feel like my finances are never going to recover. I feel like I'll never make it up the corporate ladder. I feel like throwing in the towel. I feel like giving up. I feel like the weight of the world is laying on my shoulders. I feel like I'm laying in the dirt and I'm bleeding out. This is not the time to throw in the towel. Greater is he that lives in you, Christ follower, than he that is in the world, than the circumstance and the setback you will experience. This isn't the end of your story. Can you just close your eyes for just a moment with me? And I just want you to imagine, just close your eyes, stay with me here, and I want you to begin to see the faces of the people that who, they need you. Who needs it? Who needs the testimony of your comeback story? Who needs to feel the, the, the power of God's love through your life? Husband, your wife needs you. Wife, your husband needs his helper. Teenager, your school needs you. This is not the time to throw in the towel. And I can just imagine Jesus with the cross bearing weight down on him and he hits the ground. He's been beaten. He's been bloodied. He's been ridiculed. And I can just feel the human side of him saying, your body can't handle it anymore. You just give up. We know just a few short chapters before he's asking God, hey, if there's any other way we can do this, let this cup pass for me. But more importantly, it's about you. And the human side, I can't keep doing this, it hurts. But he begins to see my face and he says, Tony needs me to get up. I'm the greatest comeback story there has ever been. And I need to go to the cross to pay for his sins and give my life for ransom. And then three days later, I'll raise from the grave and lives will be changed forever. I cannot stay here. And I need you to know that your marriage needs you. Your children need you. Your school needs you. Your work needs you. This community needs you. And I need you to understand the goodness of God is in this place. Wherever you're watching, He's here today. All you have to do is respond. If you're in this room and you want to make that decision, the best decision of your life, can you just raise your hand real quick? Just get it up so we can just acknowledge that that's what's happening today. With your head bowed, if you, uh, if you raise your hands, can you just look at me? I saw you. It's the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. So here's how I would ask that you would do right there. I want you to pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I now give my life to you. Use me, God, to impact the people around me. I'm not perfect, but mold me into who you want me to be. From this moment forth, I belong to you. God, as we close out our service here in a few moments, I'm I'm grateful, Father, for the gospel that changes lives, that it's not man's words, but it's the gospel that brings marriages back together, that forgives sins. It is your Son that gave His life God, for our sins, for our ransom. I'm thankful, God, today, marriages, lives, somebody in this room, somebody watching is going to begin their comeback story. We are grateful.